we often fight most with the people who are the closest to us. And we all know that sometimes it's very hard to live with the people who you cannot live without. And when we go about our lives throughout the years, we want to make sure that we will have an open relationship with the closest people to us, our immediate family members, our children, our parents, our siblings, our spouses. And we want to make sure that we will tell them whatever we think about them one way or another. Maybe we'll say it in a nice way, maybe we will soften it a little bit, but we want to make sure that we are able to express ourselves when we interact with our loved ones. And that's why sometimes these interactions create hard feelings. You might be not very happy to hear what your close relative, your spouse, your child, your parents thinks about you. This is how we go about our lives, and that's the norm nowadays. On the other hand, when it comes the time for someone to pass away, if let's say a parent knows that he is soon going to leave this world and he is interacting with his children now, that's a whole different story. He's usually much softer, much kinder, and they are softer and kinder to him. And this is because people suddenly realize how important and cherished the relationships should be. Also, this is because people want to be remembered for something positive. I don't want to be remembered for rebuking my children. I want to be remembered for saying nice things to them. We see that with our forefathers, the stories of our forefathers paint us the opposite picture. The Torah portion of Vayichi speaks about Yaakov on his deathbed, calling over his children and bidding them farewell and telling them his last words. And it's very interesting that he does not say such a positive things about many of them. For example, when he speaks about Shimon and Levi, he reminds them about the murders that they committed in Shechem and telling them, cursed be your anger. When he talks to Reuven, he says not such a positive things, it reminds him about his past misdeeds and others as well. So it sounds strange. He is on his deathbed. Wouldn't he want to say something nice as his parting words? So we see that really there were a lot of things that Yaakov held inside of him throughout his life because he was cherishing his relationship with his children and also probably because he realized that if he would be saying it then, maybe they would not hear him, they would not understand him. It could have fell on deaf ears. The Torah says just like it's a mitzvah to say the things that people will hear, it's a mitzvah not to say the things that they won't hear. Don't say things that people are not ready to swallow, not ready to comprehend, not ready to absorb. And Yaakov had a lot of things he wanted to say, but he was choosing not to say them. A friend of mine, a rabbi in New York, who, who I was working with at one point, has a sign in front of him on his desk. It's like right against his face, so he sees it all the time. The sign says, never miss a good chance to shut up. Very often, we do not need to say things that we want to say. And most often, the more we want to say something, the more it's important not to say it. 
and especially with your loved ones, especially with your family members. When I do marriage counseling, so many times people say, well, this is my house. Can't I say everything I think here? And I tell them, no, there's one place where you, you don't have freedom, freedom of speech. America is a free country. There's one place where you don't have your freedom of speech. That's in your house. Everywhere else, government guarantees you freedom of speech. In your house, no. And uh, a lot of times fights are created because of people having this perception of freedom of speech. But then when Yaakov is on his deathbed, he knows now my children are listening to me. Now whatever I'm going to tell them is going to be remembered and absorbed. Now is the time to say the things that I wanted to say and was afraid they would not understand. Why was he able to do that? He had the leverage to tell this to his children because he had only positive relationships with them. He had only positive interactions with them during his lifetime. If we spend our lives fighting with our loved ones, then before it's time to go, we're going to think, oh, oh, now at least we need to be nice to each other. Well, if we are nice to each other throughout the years, we, felt, we feel less pressure to fix things during the last days. And that's why Yaakov felt that he can say the things that he didn't say throughout his life. And he should say them because this is going to be his last will and testament of sort. This is going to be what they will remember him for. He wanted to make sure, for example, that Shimon and Levi will correct their ways with regards to their anger and their violent personality, their violent inclinations. But he probably never spoke to them about it during his life. Only immediately after the incident of Shechem, he told them that he disagrees with what they did for tactical reasons, for practical reasons. But he never addressed their, their personal traits. There were several other incidents in the Torah where they have showed that side of their personality. But, but Yaakov never said anything because he didn't feel probably that they will listen to him. Now, on his deathbed, he knows that if they will ever listen to him, it's going to be now. He knows that now he has their attention. And this is why now he felt it's important to say what he thought about every single one of his children. Sometimes these were nice and positive things. Sometimes they were rebukes. So let's be nice to each other throughout our lives. It's going to help us in the short run and in the long run because then later on, before we go, we will have the leverage to tell them everything what we want and then it's going to be heard. So you mentioned two things which are not the same. One is the responsibility of parents to guide and direct their children and rebuke them whenever it's appropriate. Number two, which is very different, to be transparent. Parents have to be guiding their children and, and rebuking them when it's appropriate, but they do not need to be transparent. There are many things that I might be thinking about my children, but I'm not telling them because I don't think they are ready to hear it. So I'm sure it doesn't say anywhere that Yaakov was never rebuking his children. It doesn't say anywhere that Yaakov was only using positive reinforcement and never said anything negative to his children. 
but he was saying only the rebukes that they can understand and they can relate to. There are things about my children that I know they're doing wrong, but I choose not to say it. Why? Maybe because I want them to learn the lesson on, on their own. I, I saw what they're doing, and I figured that the circumstances are going to show them that what they did is wrong, and I calculated that probably the, the, the dangers they are facing are not that great. So I said, you know what, let them learn it the hard way, whatever they're learning over there. You know, I chose not to rebuke my children for whatever reason. It is. Maybe it's because I already told it to them 20 times and they didn't hear it. <laughs> and now let them figure it out on their own. Okay, it could be many, I'm just bringing you one example, when we maybe should not be telling everything we think about children to them. It's not, you know, I was speaking about spouses not having freedom of speech in their home between each other in their communication. We don't have freedom of speech and communication with our children either. I don't need to tell my children everything I have on my mind. It might be too burdensome for them. It might be inappropriate for them. It might be damaging. If this guy thinks that his wife is ugly, he's supposed to tell it to his wife also? If his wife made a dinner and he doesn't like it, is he supposed to tell it to her face? There, is, there was a, he retired now already. There was a guy in Pikesville. He was a handyman, Bob the handyman. He used to drive around in his construction van around Pikesville. And his van used to say, Bob the handyman, saving marriages for over 30 years. So if there is a long honey-do list. You have a long list for your husband that you want him to do. And he, you know, being like most of husbands, you know, uh, if a husband uh, says that he's going to do something tomorrow, you have to believe him, and there's no need to remind him about it every half a year. Uh, so there's a long list of things. And then suddenly he does one of these things, two of these things. Now, what are you thinking? You're thinking, oh, it's about a time. I'm only waiting for it for, for three months. Finally, he did one of a million things. That's what you are thinking. Now, is this what you're going to tell him? Or are you going to tell him, oh, I'm so excited you did it. Thank you very much. Chances are you should tell him, oh, I'm so excited you did it. Thank you very much. No, we always have to think. You see, what we want to say is one thing. What we say is a, is a second thing, which is different. And what people hear is a third thing, which is completely different again. So when we say something, we need to think whether the person who we are talking to, whether it's a spouse, a child, a parent, or, or a friend, or a stranger, whether they will understand it, and whether they will be able to use it in a positive way. Maybe I think that my child is lazy. I sincerely think so. So if I will be telling him or her, you are so lazy, you are so lazy, you are so lazy, do you know what's going to happen to, him, to them? They're going to become lazier. And by the way, same goes with spouses. It's not much different. If there's a guy whose wife doesn't know how to cook, he's going to be telling her every single day, you don't know how to cook. Your suppers are terrible. I can't eat your lunches. He's going to say, I love you, but your food is impossible to digest. Yes, I know. So now, you said, you said that there are ways of saying it. It's true. That's, that's exactly why one thing is what I think, the second thing is what I say, and third thing, people understand. So some things are 
understood if you say it a different way. But some things are not even going to be understood if you say it a different way. We think that it is only children that need to mature up, and once they're already grown people, they, they already, uh, they're able to understand everything. It's not true. I look at myself 10 years ago, I am an adult, and you know what, 10 years ago, I was also an adult. And I look at myself 10 years ago, there are things that uh, I would not be able to understand 10 years ago, and I understand them now. There are things that, actually, I remember that there are things that people told me 10 years ago, and I thought that they were nonsense. And now, I revisit the topic, and I'm thinking, hmm, maybe what they said makes sense. But back then, I wasn't ready to hear it. Back then, I wasn't ready to hear it. So, bottom line is that freedom of speech is a good thing, but not for your home. There is a uh, saying in Talmud, Mila be zuzi, which means one word costs one zuz. Zuz was a coin back then, like a dollar. Shtika betray. Silence is two of these coins. Silence is always better than speech. Rabbi Kaplan, he always says, if you didn't say something, it's very easy to fix it. You can say it. If you said something, there's no way to fix it.